but I remember being walking with my daughter into the cardiac ECU. Um, and uh, the doctor putting this monitor reading thing on her heart and looking and right away saying, Daddy, you see right there? That's not good. It turned out she had more than a hole in the heart. The um, artery leaving the heart to pump blood to the brain and the rest of the body was kinked. And if we had gone home, That's the voice of Josh Collar. He works at the Suffolk County DA's office, and he is one of the leaders of the Lawyers Have Heart road race for the American Heart Association coming up on June 30th. The, the story he told, you could probably surmise, was of his infant daughter having a heart defect in something that was, needless to say, very difficult for Josh and, and his family. Uh, happily, his, his daughter did survive that and um, still has to deal with the, the effects of heart disease. So the issue of heart disease is needless to say very um, important to Josh and he and other members of the legal community are involved in what is one of the great traditions of uh, the Boston professional community, this, this road race with, with apologies to the, the corporate challenge road race. This 5K road race is really tremendous. Lawyers have heart road race. You can find out all about it at lhhboston.org. So think lawyers have heart, lhhboston.org. The race is Tuesday, June 30th in the late afternoon. And um, if you've never done this or participated in it, you have to check it out. Even if you don't run, you should go because it's at Bank Boston Pavilion and um, the race is spirited and fun and lots of firms and offices have teams and afterwards it ends up with some live music and a, a wonderful party with uh, beer and food and festivities and it's just super cool it's a wonderful tradition i have been involved personally for a number of years and i could tell you that you need to be there so we're going to focus a little bit on the topic of heart disease you're going to hear some inspirational stories today on the podcast. And by the way, my name is Dave. This is David Yaz from Morgan Stanley, where I do investment planning and special needs planning. You can always shoot me an email, davidlyas at gmail.com. You're listening to Unbillable Boston, the podcast that's about the stories behind the stories of Boston business, law, politics, media, philanthropy, anything going on in this city. We want to talk about it. Next week, by the way, on the podcast, we have a lengthy interview with Michael Dukakis. That's right. That's what kind of podcast this is. We get the guests that matter. And uh, Mike Dukakis, if you don't know, then you're probably aged uh, 22 or younger. But Mike Dukakis, of course, the former governor of Massachusetts for uh, many years, three separate terms, if memory serves. Ish, I hope I didn't get that wrong. But at any rate, long time uh, governor, interrupted only by a brief stint by uh, Ed King. Uh, long timers will remember. And since um, being our governor, he, of course, ran for president. And if things twisted the other way, he might have been our president, instead losing to uh, George Bush, Bush the senior, in a moment that changed history. And we talked to, uh, to Mike Dukakis about how things might have been different if uh, he had prevailed in that election. Lots of good stuff. Next week on the podcast, you can check out all episodes in the past on BillableBoston.com or 
If that slips your mind, please just remember thebostonpodcast.com. That's right, thebostonpodcast.com. If you want to book guests on Unbillable Boston, why don't you why don't you why don't you learn how to talk, Dave, and shoot us an email at unbillableboston at gmail dot com or just give me a call. Here's my number. That's right, seven eight one eight two zero one zero two seven. Call me anytime you like. What the heck? I'm up late usually. Seven eight one eight two zero one zero two seven. So you're going to hear from some people from the American Heart Association today. You're going to hear from attorney Aaron Gilman and why this cause is, is close to his heart. It's a spirited chat as usual. And as usual, I have babbled on for too long, keeping you from the exciting content. So let's go already. Here is the show. This one's for you, Boston. Boston's a different city than it was 20 years ago. The hope rises again. And the dream lives on. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. The world will return to this great American city to run harder than ever and to cheer even louder. This is our f***ing city. It's our city, it's our community, it's our people, it's our prerogative to tell you that it is a uh, beautiful day here in the city of Boston as I sit here. In the palatial offices of Morgan Stanley, this is uh, David Yaz, your host. So this is going to be a a cool show because we are talking about the American Heart Association today. We're talking about an exciting event that's coming up. And I'm sitting here with three professionals who have all been sort of uh, touched by heart disease in some way, have have really cool inspirational stories to, to tell us. And instead of me babbling, why don't I introduce them? To my left... Aaron Gilman, who's an attorney and a partner in the uh, corporate M&A department at Hinkley Allen here in Boston. Aaron, did I get that right? That's correct. For the most part? Yes. Aaron and I have, have this, um, this, and everybody does this from time to time, you have this sort of professional awkward moment where we're looking at each other, realizing we know each other from some other thing, and we can't figure out what that thing is. And we're hoping it was it's nothing nefarious or illegal. You never know. Uh, <laughs> but probably just some networky thing or something. And uh, also with, with me is Allison Do- Doan or Dowan, Allison? Dowan. See, this is what I asked her before, <laughs> how to pronounce her name, and promptly forgot. So Allison is with the American Heart Association, and your title, and you, I asked you this before, but for our listening audience, tell us, what, and also because I forgot, tell us uh, what your title is at the, at the AHA. I am the event director for the race that we will be talking about today, the 2015 Lawyers Have Heart 5K and Summer Celebration. Wow, and she's not even reading off of her notes, but it kind of <laughs> sounded like she was. Um, we'll get, we'll, I'll pick on you a little bit more, Alice, in a moment. Awesome. But and <laughs> finally, uh, we have Josh Collar, uh, who is uh, employed. Uh, you're employed by the DA's office here in Boston. Did I, I get that right, Josh? What do you do for the DA's office? I'm their director of digital media technology. Oh, it's about time they got one of them. Is that? Are you the first person to hold this position? No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. It says something yes. about. Uh, our state government, but, um, and, and Josh, you are, and I should say, Aaron and Josh, are, you're both some sort of captains for this upcoming event. Do I have that right? They are the leading chairman of our two different committees that we have for this event. Uh, one is our captain's committee, and in that case, Josh is our chairman. And then one is our executive leadership committee, which handles sponsorship more or less, and Aaron Gilman is our chairman for that. So 
these guys are both in charge of just squeezing more money out of everyone they know for the race, really. Right? Well, technically, they're here to spread awareness and let everybody know that, yes, this is a fun race and it's mm -hmm. a fun event afterwards, but we are working towards ending cardiovascular disease. So that's why they're here searching for fundraising money and donations and sponsors to uh, help end cardiovascular disease. Isn't she good? <laughs> you can, you can, we do do a little squeezing too. So. You gotta squeeze, you gotta. Um, it's, uh, so yeah, we, we, now Allison, we see who's in charge here, so well done. <laughs> but, um, so we have the details down. This, this, this race is uh, Lawyers Have Heart road race, correct, mm -hmm. 5K. All right, which is a, the wimpiest of all road races, right? Even I could do it, but I choose not to run, as uh, Jerry Seinfeld once famously said. Uh, so, but uh, give us the date. June 30th. Ju did she year. already say that? Sorry. June 30th. Okay. Mm -hmm. And whereabouts? It will be in the Seaport District. So it starts at the Blue Hills Bank Pavilion. You have a lovely 3.1 mile route. Um, which isn't the most glamorous, but it's 3.1 right. miles. And then you end back at the pavilion where we host our summer celebration post-event. And is it just for lawyers or it's anyone who wants to participate? Anyone who wants to participate. Yeah. It's definitely targeted towards the lawyer industry, but definitely friends and families um, are more than welcome to anyone join. Anyone can do it. And um, so for those that don't know, this is I've been connected with this event since it started here in Boston. Eight years ago? So. Correct. Oh, really? Correct. That was just a guess. <laughs> I'm so smart. I'm going to give myself a... Uh, you guys didn't hear it, but I just gave myself a, a success. You, oh, now they're putting their headphones back. <laughs> you want to hear it? That's what it sounds like. And uh, what else? Can I no, I didn't deserve that. I didn't. Okay. Anyway, so... Um, it's a tremendous event, and Allison came clean, and the, the, the only thing I've heard negative about it is the route isn't um, the most picturesque, but I can tell you that, um, you know, having been to a lot of these events before, it's, it's, it's very well organized, it's, uh, and the party afterwards is just really fun. If you haven't been to the, it's called the Bank Boston Pavilion these days? Blue, Blue Hills. Blue Hills. Blue Hills, <laughs> is that a recent change? It, I believe so. I remember one year ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, it was Harbor Lights, right? Anyway, so you know where it is, everyone. It's down in the Seaport District, kind of deep down in the Seaport District. And um, that whole area outside where you would typically have a concert, there's food, there's there's beer, there's soft drinks. Allison, yeah, definitely. Tell, tell we us have, about that. Sure. We have a website. It's lhhboston.org. Mm -hmm. It's super easy. takes you step-by-step -step process if you either want to register as an individual participant or if you want to register under a team, whether mm -hmm. it's your firm or friends and family that want to join. It's all really easy. You can go to that website or um, you can reach out to me at allison.dowen, D-O-W-E-N, at heart.org. She spells her name A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, am I correct? Correct. Um, Josh, you and I talked before the show a little bit about why this is um, a big deal to you. And if you wouldn't mind, you have a personal story about your family. Um, tell me about that. So I'll begin, I'll begin at the beginning, which mm -hmm. it really was the beginning for, for my daughter. Uh, we were at the hospital. We had gotten a bunch of tests done. We have an older child with uh, autism, so we wanted to get tests done to, to see what was going on. Everything seemed to be clear. And... Uh, so we went to the hospital. Although, Josh, you know that there's no test for autism. It's so, but, but... Uh, we were looking for abnormalities. You were right. You were, they don't have you an were, answer to autism. You were prepared. For things to be You'll find that Josh is both a wonderful and unlucky uh, husband. But um, as we've talked lucky about... Lucky husband. 
Lucky husband. Get that, honey? Unlucky, uh, sort of unlucky dad. But but you'll but well, we'll all agree at the end of the day, very very lucky. But but um, you know, my my son has autism as well, and and you don't figure that out until long afterwards. But anyway, so you were ch- you were checking your uh, your younger daughter right after the day she was born. So we ran whatever tests we could, not necessarily looking for autism, but looking for anything that might be something you can identify prior to birth, mm-hmm. so we can be prepared since we already had a special needs child. Yeah. Um, Everything came out fine, and so we were in the hospital, and our daughter was born. Everything was fine. <coughs> the you know she looked a little small, but you know because our other older child was bigger. Yeah. But um, uh, everything seemed to be going all right. My uh, wife was already checked out. We already had the bags packed. We were ready to leave. We had the um, the uh, children's doctor come in and do a listen before we checked out just to be safe and she said she thought she heard something and uh, what she described to my wife was it's probably just a hole in the heart now for me who knew nothing about heart issues at all just a hole in the heart didn't yeah. sound like just to anything what's the word just doing in there right yeah. right right so but my wife was familiar with that so she was you know still kind of healing from everything so she stayed in the, the room and I went down to the uh, to the uh, intensive care unit or whatever they have in the, in the children's ward there uh, for my daughter to be looked at. And the last thing I remember before everything went blurry, and I'll try not to get too choked up telling the story again, I always do a little bit, was uh, the doctor putting a little sensor on her chest and looking at the screen and saying, Daddy, you see right there? That's not good. This was the doctor that said that? This was the doctor. There was a cardiologist that happened to be doing rounds, and he agreed to take a look. Yeah. Um, this person needs a little help with the bedside manner, I would say. Well, he was actually uh, he was, he's held our hand through through so much down there. He was really great. He's the one that actually got us connected up here and and helped us on our journey. Okay. But uh, this was in Miami, by the way. And um, yeah, from there from there it was okay, Dad. You need to leave the room. And they started hooking up every kind of machine and needle and everything you can imagine to this little three-day-old girl, and I'm standing in the hallway. <laughs> and what are you thinking of that moment? One, what the hell just happened? Two, this hallway looks so much longer than it did a minute ago because I now have to walk back to the room my daughter, my wife's in, and explain to her that we're not going home. She doesn't know yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so from there, we uh, our daughter was. Uh, uh, the ambulance uh, moved from the hospital we were at, which had a children's section, but it wasn't a children's hospital, to uh, the children's hospital in Miami. And um, my daughter was born on December 28th, and I remember New Year's Eve, sitting in there midnight in the hospital room, all these machines beeping and everything going on, and sitting there and staring at my wife and, 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 and just wondering, you know, when is she gonna survive? to, you know, is this what life is going to be? Well, what's going to happen here? And, and being so, so in, in those in those couple days there, she's being operated, she's in surgery or she, or she, they, you know, because it was New Year's and uh, they kept her, they, they gave her medication to keep um, the heart flowing blood uh, essentially, and I get in trouble with this because I don't know the, the exact terms and my, my wife became the, the expert in this. But the part of the heart that bypasses the main artery going out to that, I mean, basically the mom's heart 
pumps the blood while the baby's still in the womb. Yeah. Um, that was the part that the blood was able to get through. And if that had closed up, if he had gone home, most likely we wouldn't have had a chance to go back and have it you know, fixed. And she would have, as they called it, had a sudden incident. Yeah. Um, so they had gave her they gave her medication to to stop that process from happening. Um, and uh, soon after New Year's, they went in and they um, attempted to repair the problem and um, were able to get blood flow going out of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that's, <laughs> that's that portion. A lot of your memories are, are probably, um, it must have been a, a whirlwind, a blur during those few days and everything. So, but, but by the time you leave the hospital, are you, are you much more hopeful or? Yeah, for me, it's, it's been a long journey for, for our, my family. Uh, my daughter, um, one of the, let me take it to step to the side. And the three sure. things that I, uh, the three reasons I'm involved with this is because we don't just push fundraising. Uh, mm-hmm. The two main things we start with is, is awareness and education. Mm-hmm. So awareness about the association um, and education, not just for the people that get involved here, but educating the doctors, the staff, the people all around the country that deal with identifying somebody that's having an uh, issue with their heart or, or stroke, and then pushing, taking people to the next level as far as how they treat it. So the hospital in Miami, uh, there was complications that she had from the surgery mm-hmm. that caused additional issues. Um, and um, so she deals with those issues to this day. And then um, that's why we came up here. To, the doctors up here were able to repair some of the physical damage done during the initial surgery. But like I said, some of the damage was, is permanent. And then uh, she, uh, common with, with uh, the issue that she has is also uh, what they call a bicuspid valve. So the uh, left chamber, honey, I'm sorry, I forgot the chamber wrong, uh, <laughs> ha- is supposed to have a tricuspid uh, valve in between the, the upper and lower that regulates the flow between the two chambers. And my daughter was born with uh, basically two leaflets versus three. So if you can picture, picture you know, three fingers opening up and closed versus two fingers trying to, mm-hmm. and the stretching around there. Um, so she, we've had uh, uh, eight years of every three to six months, even before we moved up here, we moved up here about two and a half years ago, um, the uh, coming up to Boston, having them uh, go through the cath lab and, uh, and balloon to keep the pressure somewhat balanced for causing mm-hmm. leakage. And just actually this last week, we found out that that's no longer an option on the table. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the next time the pressure goes up, which is most likely in the next year or so, she will have to have her valves replaced. So, so that's kind of the journey she's been on, and she's eight years old. And what is her, um, what's her day-to-day like? Does she, are there symptoms, does she live with pain or discomfort or? You know, some, some of the issues from the first surgery include, uh, you know, delays as far as uh, language and other things. So she can't fully express everything, but she seems to be a happy, uh, happy girl. She loves going to school. She loves playing. She loves her brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves dancing. Um, and so, from from what we can tell, we don't notice any lack of energy right. or lack of uh, enthusiasm and passion for for living life. Uh, you know, it's 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 tough. If anyone out there has had a, a child with both special needs and medical issues, uh, you know, special needs in the sense of uh, delays, it's tough because you know. 
they don't understand necessarily everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and one side of that, that's good because they don't understand coming up to things, things that are coming up that might be scary. Mm-hmm. But then not being able to explain to them the things that, that are going on makes it that much scarier when things do have to be done. Mm-hmm. So that's... Well, I give you a lot of credit. You, you've turned this around as, as so many people I, I know who have children with challenges that you turn it around into, into something positive. And I'm sure you've had moments where, you know, one kid with special needs, another with a heart defect. It must be moments where you just kind of look up and go, okay, universe, you know, what else you got? <laughs> well, you know, you, you know as, a, as also as a father sure. of a special needs child, yeah. it, 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 it's a special thing to have. It makes you appreciate the little things so much more. Yeah. Um, I went trader for the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and getting involved with the Heart Association was more, uh, I, last year, when I, uh, two years ago, when I first got involved, I kept saying, you know, I did everything I could do for my daughter. I've gotten her here. I've gotten her to the best doctors, but I want to do more. But I can't do anything more for her. I've got right. her there. So, where do you let, put that energy? Exactly. Yeah. So let me do yeah. more for someone else. And the and the story, I, you know, the story I, I tell is, um, in that hospital, those first that first week we were alive. By coincidence, there was another family on the same floor, with a name very similar to mine. I'm Kohler, C O L L E R. There was a C O L L I E R family mm. on the same floor, mm. with another daughter born right around the same time with right. a heart issue, and uh, you know. You know, we're going through what we're going through. I'm, I'm running into the family here and there, grabbing the, grabbing the apple juice or grabbing whatever, saying hello. And uh, it turned out we had the same cardiologist. Um, so we're going on the same journey, and we're worrying about how tough we're having it. And I remember going to our first checkup after leaving the hospital with our, our cardiologist back at his office about a month later, mm-hmm. and um, asking about the other baby girl, Cole. Right. And this look came on the doctor's face, and he said she didn't survive. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So those are the kind of things when I, when I when I talk about the, the raising money awareness. You know, my daughter's alive, not because of just the doctors that were there, but because for you know what is a hundred years now, the Heart Association, you know, the guy from New York, the guys from New York, the guys from Boston that got together and started this, and the people that have, like ourselves here that have been raising awareness and raising money got it to the stage that they could save my daughter. Yeah, and yeah. so. We our responsibility to pay is to pay it forward so that the next baby girl Kohler in the next room doesn't have to have that outcome. She can be like our family and be here telling the story and raising money and, and having our daughter at home. Mm. That's um, that's a story I want to hear even more, Josh. Let's um, let's take a short break here on Unbillable Boston. When we return, we want to hear a little bit more about this race. We want to hear from Aaron and Allison, who are sitting here with wonderful stories of their own to tell. <laughs> and stay with us on Billable Boston. By the way, check us out at unbillableboston.com. Please. Hello, everyone. This is David Yaz, one of the hosts of Unbillable Boston the following public service announcement. If you are late for a meeting with Governor Michael Dukakis, I warn you, he will tell Kitty. There has to be a more... Hello? Uh, I'm going to try to probably be home at 5.30. Because David Yass is here with a couple of uh, outstanding Americans doing a podcast. And he was late. So when you see him the next time... You be very tough on him. I was ready for him at four o'clock, and I'll be home as quickly as I can. Please use this information as you will, and we'll see you next time on Unbillable Boston.
And welcome back to Unbillable Boston. This is David Yaz from Morgan Stanley. And that was me playing the guitar. <laughs> I'm such a show off. It's really only three chords. It's easy. I can tell you how to do it if you don't know how. Anyway, I'm not a very good, I'm not a very strong guitar player. We're talking about uh, the American Heart Association today with representatives from the association, and we're talking about the Lawyers Have Heart Road Race, which is, Allison and I already forgot, which is June. 30th. June 30th. Mm -hmm. uh, in the in the evening, like uh, 5 p.m.? No, yep, so registration starts at 5. We're hoping yeah. that you know everybody in the city will just walk right over or take a quick cab right over to the event. We have bag check if you're coming right from work. Um, so registration opens at 5. We have a pre-warm-up at 6.30 to get everybody nice and loose for the 3.1-mile run. And then the race kicks off at 7 o'clock. Right, and then all kinds of food and beer afterwards. We suggest you do the beer after the race, not before the race. Correct. Which, by the <laughs> way, this is a, this is a this is a um, a painful uh, parenthesis here. But have you heard of, about this sport called the um, the beer mile? Have you guys ever by your faces? I think no. This this is actually a thing where you run. Uh, you, you have to drink a beer. You run a quarter mile, drink another beer, and you repeat it until you've done them. And the, it's actually a phenomenon. Like if you go on YouTube, there's the guy that claims to have the record, and apparently, like they've had actual runners do it. And apparently, the beer really does make a difference. Like it's really hard. Like a lot of people <clears throat> uh, lose it after the race. <laughs> so. Uh, just an idea for a future event, you know. <laughs> uh, the, the lawyers have heart road race is is uh, indelibly etched in in, in, in Boston, but um, you might want to think about the beer mile too. I mean, hey, why not? <laughs> um, I think I'll be better at the beer mile than the regular mile. All right, but I digress rather badly. So um, I'm here with uh, attorney uh, Aaron Gilman and Allison Doan and uh, Josh Collar from uh, American Heart Association. Actually, Josh is with the DA's office, but um, very. Uh, cause very near and dear to his heart. No pun intended. That would be bad. Did you, did you find yourself saying that? That's, that's what, there, there are some things you really shouldn't joke about. But um, Aaron, if you would tell us, uh, we haven't heard from you, tell us a little bit about your connection to this and, and what else should people know about this event and this cause? Yeah, I really got connected. A, a very good friend of mine, and this sort of uh, goes in with what Josh was talking about and the importance of the fundraising here is uh, this a uh, friend of mine was born with the, his heart on the wrong side of his chest, um, and he went through multiple surgeries at Children's. That means on the outside. Uh, no, on the other, on the, on the wrong side. side. On the wrong okay. side okay. of his chest. Wow. Um, and they had not experienced that before, and he is the first survivor of that. Um, remains a patient at Children's Hospital to this day. He's in his mid-40s now, um, and every step is a new step for them. Um, so just this is very interesting. So the, the um, what what is the harm done from having your heart on the wrong side? Does, does everything gets messed up? Yeah, everything gets messed up. He has a pacemaker installed to keep yeah. his heart beating uh, on a regular basis and, and 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 create the regularity he needs so he doesn't. Um, yeah, he goes into uh, modes at times where his heart's not beating strong enough, um, okay. and he becomes very tired and exhausted, and they have to sort of give him a little recharge every once in a while. Uh, but it's been a long, arduous road for him, and it's amazing to me. They follow him in children's because it, it's part of the ongoing research they're doing as to how to treat this in the future. and. That all this funding goes to creating the research and the capability and the knowledge to be able to treat these children as they're, as they're born, not only to fight other forms of heart disease and stroke, uh, but it's really important for continuing that research and expanding the medical knowledge that we have 
to be able to treat these people. Um, the I got involved because I saw it as a great opportunity to raise money for the Heart Association. Um, I did it sort of as a lark. I'm not a runner either. I have walked the race for the last two years. Oh, yeah. um, and we encourage anybody that's not running to come out and walk the race because it's a nice walk. Uh, walk with a group of people. There's typically at least a couple hundred runners. We end up with about 1,700 runners and there's at least 200 walkers um, towards the back of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the important things is we have a lot of support from a lot of the big law firms in town and some of the smaller ones we we get some great support we're also doing a vendor marketplace this year so if anybody knows a vendor or there's any vendor out there that wants to come it's a fifteen hundred dollar um, sponsorship and they can maintain a table at the event afterwards and give out you know tokens or whatever they want to do and they can interact with probably close to 1,700 lawyers by the time we get done, uh, which is quite the audience to have. And it's pretty rare to get that many lawyers together in one spot, except maybe for the uh, Boston Law Day. Um, and it's if, very a, if a bomb drops on the place, then comedians everywhere will have to find someone else to make yes, fun of. Right, I would absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, one of the things we really try to push is the individual fundraising uh, by each of the individual runners. Um, and we're trying to encourage everybody to use the American Heart Association website that we have set up for the race. Um, it's a tremendous website. It gives them the capability to import their contacts. Uh, it gives a formatted email they can send out to everybody without much effort. You know, take 45 minutes uh, at most to send out. I spent 45 minutes and sent out four or 500 emails. That's huge because that, that is, you know, we've all done this where you, you lend your... Um, you know, sweat equity to uh, a, a cause, and then as the event approaches, you're like, oh, geez, I got to do that. I got to get to those emails. Um, I've never done this with an automated system. So you punch in the emails of your contacts, and it'll customize it, right? Right. It, yeah. it tells you on the site how to import your contacts over very easily. It doesn't breach any security protocol. Um, I made sure of that with my IT staff that I wasn't going to have a problem, um, and it worked out great. And um, this year, I'm chairing the event uh, as a result of being the number one fundraiser for the last two years, um, and it really is just congratulations. Great. Thank you, um, and it really is just about sending out emails to your network. And there's very little else to do. I mean, people will respond, and they'll donate anywhere from twenty-five to five hundred dollars or more, and you get a tremendous response. And you send it out to your fam- friends, family, and people in your network. You are going to raise money, and if we just get every participant to raise at least a hundred dollars we will do really well this year mm-hmm. so that's what we're trying to encourage people to do and also as a reminder you know anyone you know in your world who's a fanatical runner will look for an excuse to like you know come out and run a 5k because having hosted the award ceremonies after after the lawyers have hard road race um there are a lot of kids there are teenagers i know they're not lawyers you know, <laughs> I mean, I think the kid that won it last year was like 19 or something. So, um, yeah, send those emails out to get people to register and, and, and all that. Um, by the way, Allison, we were talking earlier. I can't remember if we said this on or off the podcast, but the, the name of that band, you're, you're, you're right, I was the, the Aaron, the Adam Ezra Band. Adam Ezra Band, which they're an awesome band. So I think you guys have them again this year, you think? That Maybe? sounds familiar. Our <laughs> event coordinator, Ariel, does okay. an awesome job handling all of the logistics. So I know that she's been in touch with the band. It is the same band as last year. So if you found that online, I'm pretty sure. then that's pretty promising. Yeah. And if you, if you, they're, uh, 
I, I just the, the, he's really cool. Adam is mm-hmm. the the lead singer, and they always volunteer their time. And uh, the Adam Ezra band, and um, I always make the joke about who's better than Ezra. No one, and is sometimes I get a laugh. Anyway, now I'm looking on the website at adamezra.com, and I'm trying to see if I don't know if the race is on their website. We better get on that. Yeah, I'll have to give them a call. But they're great. You know, each year they are supposed to end at a certain time. We have those stragglers who are just having such an amazing time at our post-event that, you know, the band ends up saying an hour, an hour and a half later than, you know, they agree to just to keep entertaining everyone. So they're great. So, Allison, how long have you been with the Heart Association? So, I was hired on as the event director in March of this this past March. I am now. And, um, you're a graduate of uh, Johnson Wales. I am. When did you graduate a couple years ago? I graduated in 2013 with a sports, entertainment, and event management degree from their hospitality college. You, you, she's it's like, a mouthful, I know. No, no it's just, you, you. I mean, you present yourself very well. You're like a, um, a walking uh, resume. I feel like I should <laughs> start like my own podcast or something. I'm really digging this. Hey, 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 you know, n- not any idiot uh, can do their own podcast, okay? <laughs> just an idiot like me. Um, no, but uh, I'm sure you, you certainly could, but... But um, so uh, I'm going to embarrass Allison by telling everyone how young she is. Well, you already know because she's a recent college graduate. But we were we were just sort of shooting the breeze before, and I mentioned Michael Dukakis, who's a, uh, is going. Depending upon how I put these things out, is either a guest or will be a guest on this podcast. And she didn't know who he was. She didn't know who Michael Dukakis was. Come I was on. honest about it, though. You, she I didn't was honest. completely she was pretend honest. to know who you were talking about. Like, yeah, I could have. And she says, well, I'm not from Massachusetts. She's from Vermont. Come on. Okay? I mean, New England I is one. <laughs> the dude ran for president, and he, and he should have won if he didn't. See, what, what this has the, do you remember what the moment was in Dukakis? I'm looking at Aaron. The, the, the tank. Camp, the tank, right. Tank. So he famously sported, sported an army helmet while riding in a tank as, as a sort of PR picture. But the consensus was he looked so goofy in it that uh, people were like, who is this nerd? We're never going to elect him president. And uh, he admits to all those mistakes. He said recently that um, uh, the whole mess of the last several years pre-Obama was his fault because he said if I had just beaten the old man in that race, then his kid never would have been president for eight years. (coughs) But we digress. So, Allison, you have a personal connection to heart disease as well, and and I I don't want to make you rush the story, but... um, but tell us about it. Tell us about it. It's, uh, it's your dad. So tell us about your dad. It is. My dad, Kendall, um, is definitely like that picturesque hero father. Um, he was involved in a lot of uh, maintenance management and school systems all around Vermont. He was a very hands-on, do-it-yourself kind of guy. Um, him and my mom bought 13 acres of land when my sister was just one. I wasn't born yet. And he logged all 13 acres by himself. He cleared out, you know, the two-acre lot for the house. He was just you know, your your hero. And yep. um, so I grew up definitely the daddy's girl. My mom was attached, or my, my sister was attached to my mom. I loved my dad very much. Um, and when I was about eight years old, I started noticing a little bit of a difference in him. Um, after one winter, he just seemed a lot more tired. He was definitely that father that was throwing us up in the air or doing all these physical activities with us. And um, I noticed a little bit of a difference in him. Um, and then that following summer, 
he was actually rushed to Dartmouth Hospital while my sister and I were with him um, because his heart was failing. Mm. And so we obviously had no idea what was going on. I was around eight and a half. My sister was almost 12. Um, and, you know, we just saw our hero looking weak, and it was just very confusing. So this so, is, you're actually with him when this is yes, happening. And, yeah. And your mom's driving you all to the hospital. My mom and my dad were actually divorced um, okay. at the time. So they had been divorced since I was much younger um, and not on the greatest terms at that point. So we had our neighbor come, okay. and so the neighbor followed the ambulance with us. They oh, you're in the ambulance with him? Okay. No, I was in the you're car. In the yeah, the car. Nope, okay. it's okay. I was in the car with my neighbor behind the ambulance, um, so we were able to kind of stay right with the ambulance itself. Of course, we're crying. We have no idea what's going it. on. So scary. Yeah. My mom met us at the hospital. We surpassed the local hospital and we took him straight to Dartmouth. Um, and then at that point, that's when, you know, they physically had to shock him because um, his heart did end up stopping. Um, and so we were kind of all there to witness that. And that was definitely, you, you know, in the, in we the were room. in the room with, um, the, and with the paddles, with the paddles. We were rushed out. My sister and I, my mom was walking into the room as we were being rushed out by nurses. And it was just kind of this whole blurry mess. Um, of confusion oh really God. so we were there for hours and hours not knowing what was going on seeing doctors in and out um, and finally they were able to you know get him to a solid state his heart was still out of rhythm they were still running all of these tests um, he had marks on his chest for weeks from the paddles oh. um, and from there that's when we were told that he was given three years to live so I'm eight and a half, and I'm very confused at this point. Um, my mom is engaged to another man. They have a very strong relationship. My dad and him were good friends. At that point, my mom kind of, you know, made that call and looked at her fiance and said, hey, I have to be here for my, you know, the father of my children. If this isn't okay, you need to leave now or you need to be supportive. So they ended up you know parting ways it was too much and from that day my mom just recommitted herself to my father um, things that would take us you know maybe a project around the house 15 20 minutes it would take my dad three hours so then all of a sudden you know the cleanliness and the organization of his house kind of all went downhill did she your mom remarried your dad no so just my dad was a um, stubborn man with a great personality <laughs> my mom offered many times to try and fill that role um and his response excuse my language was hell no um but of course they were best friends they you know Didn't my you mom think she was gonna say worse than that thing? i you know it's a podcast you can say whatever you want <laughs> so yeah, um but you know my mom started going grocery shopping for him and that's when i learned at you know eight and a half nine years old that's when i learned how to grocery shop that's when i learned how to cook that's when i um started understanding you know what medications my dad was on because again my parents were divorced we were spending a week with my dad and then a week with my mom so full 50 50 custody yeah. um my sister kind of got into that awkward teenage years where she wanted to just be with friends so a lot of the times I chose to stay with my dad full-time um, he was much more open with me about how he was feeling and about his condition than he was with my sister um, so I asked him every day if he took his Coumadin and I asked him every day if you know he ate his salad and I would make sure that his important appointments were made on Friday nights or Saturday mornings and I literally went to his appointments with him. I specifically remember at 11, like 11 to 14 years old for three years straight, I went to his cardiac rehab with him where there were many other patients who were much older than him. And um, 
everybody was just down and it really hurt my heart not just that my dad was feeling weak and down but that everybody was so I started you know coming up with songs and dances during the week so that Saturday mornings at this rehab I could perform for them so I'd be dancing around I'd be wearing you know my performance outfit and my goal was just to get them to smile and that really gave me pure joy Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know as time goes on you notice that he's starting to look older he's starting to get weaker I'm taking on a lot more of the house responsibilities I'm I'm not really wanting to go out with my friends but my dad was such a great guy it it's sometimes hard to still talk about but he was a he was a father to all of my friends even to people you know back in high school that I quote-unquote despised or were my enemies he was there for them I would be walking around school and of course he couldn't work he was on disability because of his heart condition and all of a sudden my dad was in the hallway talking to about you know three or four of the varsity basketball guys or my two friends from my science class or I'd see him after school at a lacrosse game and I'd be like dad why are you here and he'd be like oh Lindsay wanted me to come and watch her lacrosse game so he was very much a father to all not many people knew that he was sick he was the guy that would stay in Shaw's the grocery market all day long just looking for people to talk to um so not many people knew that he was sick so Like I said, when he first got diagnosed, he was given three years, and bless his heart, um, he lived 13. Wow. So you can't be angry at the fact that he hung on. Through your adult years. Yeah, so I was 20. It was two weeks into my junior year of college that he passed away. Um, My sister had graduated from college, and really that was his main thing for his daughters is that we were going to go to college. His mom passed away of cervical cancer his freshman year of college, and he dropped out and joined the Navy, which is where him and my mom met. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was big for him that his daughters went to school and that he provided as much as he could to make that happen. Um, So there was a lot of back and forth my junior year. Do I quit? Do I stay? I was in Providence, Rhode Island. and it was tough. It was, I wanted to quit very badly. I'm an athlete. I hate quitting. I don't like to quit at anything. But it just, it was really tough. Um, and I'll never forget my mom telling me that my dad would kill her if she let me quit school. So I went back to school um, about three weeks after. And I got an assignment immediately after my sociology class to involve 10 peers from the university that I do not know in something. It was just to engage 10 random people in something. So of course, being the little event planner that I am, I took full advantage of that. I mean, obviously I'm still angry, I'm grieving, I'm trying to figure out where, you know, kind of who I am in this big world without my number one supporter. Mm. And just to kind of give you a little insight, I called my dad at least three times a day. And you don't get that much out of 20 year old college students, but my dad and I were best friends. I could call him any time of the day just to tell him I got a 98 on a quiz or if I got a 67 on a quiz or, you know, just anything I, at least three times a day. So I needed something to fill up my time because my mom was like, I love you, but I can't talk on the phone hours a day while I'm at work. So I planned this little event at Johnson & Wales called Kendall's Cure in memory of my father. Um, I just promoted it to, you know, flyers around the university campus. I ended up getting about 60 students and about seven or eight professors that came. I had a rep from the AHA come and talk about heart disease. I told my story about my dad and I was able to, through connections as well, raise 
just under $3,000, which wow. I always say is huge when your market is broke college students. Yeah. Um, I did receive a $1,000 check from CVS through some connections um, of volunteering in Providence, so that was awesome. And then through that, I also purchased 300 Wear Red um, Day shirts and I sold them around campus and in my hometown. So I sold 300 shirts. Essentially, I bought the shirts and then donated all the money I received from people who bought them. So that, that by the way, is an American Heart Association uh, tradition, right? Wear, wear red day. It is, what, yes. What Did we miss that day? When is it's that? In oh, it's in February. So I believe Heart Month is the full month of February. Um, that year is February 4th. I think it sticks right around February 3rd, 4th, or 5th. Um, in the month of February. So that's a huge See, push. See, that's a good reason to celebrate all things heart in February and not mm -hmm. just Valentine's Day, which we all know the Hallmark Corporation created. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad we have some substance to it now, but please uh, go ahead. Sure. So, yeah, I was able, you know, to see all throughout the rest of the year these Kendall's Cures shirts all around campus. I would go home and I'd have, you know, friends and family asking if I was going to make more shirts or if I was still making them. Um, so... Once I was kind of done with Kendall's Cure, I realized how much better I felt about the situation and how proud I felt like my dad would be of me. Um, and it almost became addicting. I was like, how can I do more? How can I do more? So when I graduated, I got a job in catering. Um, Chef Emma, I love you, but catering just <laughs> isn't my thing. And everybody knew it. I think I kind of pushed through that job with my pretty smile maybe. Um, but after that, I did resign after a little over a year. And I said, I need to do something passionate about I can't do something I'm not passionate about it just isn't me so that's when I applied to probably 15 jobs at the American Heart Association all over the country and it just so happens that the job position in Massachusetts um, was the closest to my family in Vermont so that worked out that I didn't have to move to Texas or California and um, it's really the perfect position for me like I said I was an athlete my entire life and all through college so this 5k is right up my alley um, of course I have a connection to heart disease and I would do anything to make my father proud and happy so of course I'm kind of pouring myself into this event and I love event planning so there's no other job I feel like that could fit me better so I'm excited to be a part of the team I was lucky enough to come on board when uh, Josh and Aaron are the chairman of the committees and they've been awesome and it just is such a great fit and I'm just here you know to do the best I can do and really make this event grow. Um, like you said, it's the eighth year. Yep. We can max out at the same amount of runners each year at about $1,800, $1,900. But just to kind of put that in perspective, every year this event fundraises and earns more money with the same amount of participants. Every year it's increased. Every year, yes. Wow. So there's a little breakdown right here in front of us. But really my goal is this is the eighth year. I'd love to still be around for the tenth year. And I really just want to blow it out the water. And my future goal is just to make this event a million-dollar event, get it to a platform event for the American Heart Association so that there's lawyers have heart races all over the country. I wish I could buy stock in you, Allison. Wow, that just, might be the best compliment <laughs> ever. Well, just, just I'm just I'm listening to your story, and I'm thinking th th there should be a, uh, a Broadway show based on your life. And I have the name already. You Can ready? I lip sync in that Broadway show? Yeah, I didn't say no. We're gonna cast. Uh, oh, okay, let's okay. See. I'm doing that Hollywood director thing right now, and, and looking at her through the lens finder. We could go Reese Witherspoon. She'd have to um, dye her head. She's, she's been uh, brunette before, probably. Yeah. She's going to have to go brunette for this. But um, no, <laughs> uh, Broadway show. Title, Unbeatable. You get it? 
Unbillable. No, no unbeatable. <laughs> Sponsored by Unbillable Boston. There you no, go. No, I'm, I was thinking hearts, like something with heart in it, but that. But oh, I so, get it. Be. So too cliche. Be. <laughs> you could, okay. Anyway, no, but I can picture the whole thing, and you, you, the opening scene is you doing the song and dance for your dad mm-hmm. and the others in the treatment center who are all down. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, come on, that's that's this is gonna kill. <laughs> Maybe we'll go straight to the big screen. Maybe I'll write the screenplay <laughs> when I get around to it. Anyway, that, thank you for sharing all that of with course. us. Of course, it's lawyers have heart. It's an insert joke here for all you lawyer bashers, but lawyers have heart. LHHBoston.org. Go there. Uh, every amount counts. But really, uh, tell people about this, right? And people in your office, it's such a cool night. Aaron, did you have something you're going to? I would just add uh, one final plug on the sponsoring, which is um, if the individual participants raise at least $100, they get a really nice t shirt, race t shirt. Mm. Um, and if they raise at least $750, they get VIP status for the beer. And oh, the food. Yeah. Remember, did you guys remember? I think this, this year we're going, yeah, yeah. barbecue what? style. Barbecue style? Okay. Who everybody, doesn't love that in the summertime? Everybody loves barbecue, right. <laughs> it's a great way to kick off the summer. Lawyers have heart. Road race. Go to lhhboston.org for all the info. I'll see you there. I'll be there. I'm not running. I have a bum knee. That's what I tell people. But uh, And also, I you know, I emcee the awards thing afterwards, and I don't like to be all schwitzy, you know. So, um, Anyways, my thanks to Aaron Gilman, Allison Doan, and Josh Collar. Please be there. Be there for the race. And my name is Dave, and this you've been listening to Unbillable Boston. Check out all of our past episodes at unbillableboston.com. Or if you forget, go to thebostonpodcast.com. How hard is that? Not at all. We will see you next time. Later. <laughs>